Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversations, real conversations with actionable insights into what consumers want and why. I'm Lynn Dornplazer, Director of Innovation and Insight at Mintel, and today we're discussing some brands' reactions to backlash regarding Pride initiatives. So today I'm joined by Caitlin Sikowski, she's Associate Director of Marketing Intelligence, and also by Nicole Bond, who's Associate Director Marketing Strategy for Compare Media. So welcome. So let's let's jump right into what's going on here. So there's we've heard so much about companies making mistakes regarding their pride initiatives. What happened? What's going on here? Well, I think the theme of this year's pride was backpedaling. And that was really the root of a lot of the backlash here. So a good place to start might be talking about the most public of backlash, which comes down to Bud Light. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest one we'd want to talk about to get this rolling. Really what happened was that there is a transgender influencer named Dylan Mulvaney, and she was sent one can of beer for March Madness with her face on it. It wasn't a full campaign, didn't have the investment of a full campaign. So when there was backlash to that effort, the company was pretty unprepared to handle it appropriately. Um, from my understanding and memory of it, they put two executives on leave, which really signaled to everybody that what they did in working with Dylan was wrong and communicates that a partnership with a transgender person was wrong. And the statement declared the company never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people, which also indicated they didn't want to be part of the discussion at all. And so what we're happening here is we started by offending one group of people by working with a transgender influencer. And then we offended another group of people by backpedaling on the partnership with the influencer. So they did a really good job at alienating both sides within a really quick period of time. Right. So let's let's just go out of our way to offend everyone. Exactly. Pretty much. I absolutely think that, I mean, when we think about what went wrong during June this year, Bud Light is going to be the staple of that. And I think it's just because they did something wrong at every point. Like they had a point to turn around or they had a, a point to like stand behind their decision to partner with Dylan. Um, they had a chance to, you know, stand by their executives that made the decision. It, Every step of the way, if they were looking at a marketing or a PR playbook, they went the opposite of what anyone would have ever recommended. Um, and I think what they did with doing that is, and something that Dylan has, you know, came out in her kind of recent statement and said is that essentially by not standing by like the partnership, by not offering support to her when she was being brutally attacked online, Bud Light essentially just gave permission for homophobia and for transphobia to be okay. Because what they did was say, oh, some of our customers got mad about this. We don't want to upset them. So instead of doing what we think is right or what like our brand wants to kind of the direction our brand wants to go, we're going to get scared. We're going to stop and we're going to try and backpedal as fast as we can so that people don't realize what we did. And by doing that, I think they stayed in the conversation much longer than other brands that have been subject to similar backlash in the past. Right. But there have been some companies that have taken a very, very different approach, which has still resulted in some backlash. But talk a little bit about what we saw going on at the whole other end of that spectrum. 
Sure. So on the entire other end of the spectrum, if we're looking at backlash, I think we'd talk about North Face. So North Face had a whole campaign itself for Pride. It featured the drag queen whose name is Patty Gonia, which is very fun, um, promoting what it was called a summer of Pride. So really fun campaign, all about making sure the outdoors are inclusive for everybody. And the brand similarly faced backlash, right? Same kind of vocal group of people who were upset about this promotion of the community. Um, however, it just stood exactly by what it was doing. And it said, we believe the outdoors should be a place that's welcoming and safe for everybody. We've always cared about creating community and belonging. And this is a core part of our business. And because they supported it and kind of drew a line in the sand, we're not going to respond to backlash. We're not even going to credit it or um, identify it as important conversation to be had. They pretty much halted the conversation in itself and were able to move on pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's a huge point because something that, you know, we see a lot and like even in our consumer research is that majority of like American consumers believe that you know, a small political minority are responsible for anti-LGBTQ plus sentiment. So it is what is perceived to be a very, very small group that brands are kind of kind of backing down from a fight with, which we haven't really seen before. I mean, we're in a completely polarized, you know, political environment right now. It's probably only going to get worse next year with the election coming up. But when we look at other data, we see like 75% of non-queer individuals are okay seeing queer representation within marketing. We find out that, you know, yes, 7% of the U.S. population identifies as LGBTQ+, but 50% have a loved one or a family member that identify as part of the community. So it is a large and growing consumer segment. And so by not standing behind them, you're kind of choosing to side with a small political minority that's very, very loud right now because they're in an echo chamber because they have a microphone and brands like Bud Light, unlike North Face, are giving them that microphone to amplify what they feel is kind of like their responsibility and like their role and how brands act and how individuals should be treated within marketing, within, within companies, within products and services. Um, so I think that's like a really interesting component of like, just because it's loud doesn't mean that it's something that brands should pay attention to. But like Caitlin said, you should have a plan in place for when that is loud, what you do, because no matter what you put in play, someone's going to hate it. Someone's going to not like it. Someone's going to disagree with it. But how you respond to that backlash, what stance you take is typically how it either like snowballs like we see Bud Light or how it kind of just stops in its tracks like we saw with North Face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a mm -hmm. big part of that, as Nicole was saying, the goal is not to avoid upsetting people. If you take a stance on any type of issue, somebody is going to get upset. So the goal is not avoiding opposition. It's understanding the impact on your business of opposition and having a plan in place for responding to it. So in the case of North Face, maybe they understand that the impact of opposition on their brand isn't going to be as strong as it would be for a brand like Bud Light. And they were able to evaluate that, make that business decision, decide the commitment to the community was more important than the opposition, and have a PR plan in place being, we are not going to acknowledge this group of people. We are not going to fuel their fire. We are going to stop this dead in its tracks and continue on with our campaign that spreads fun and joy and a love of being outside, which is what our brand represents. So... It's, mm -hmm. it's again, it's not about making everybody happy. It's just about understanding what is going to happen to your business if you do upset somebody. I think what you just said about like, you're not able to make everyone happy. 
I think that's where like some of the kind of response from Target, like Target was also brought into this conversation. The chief growth officer for Target basically said that we want to balance celebration and broad-based appeal. You cannot do those things. You cannot please everyone. And in the statement, they also said like, we're taking this kind of response as a, as a moment to pause. Why do you need to pause? Target has been a staple and a champion. They've been kind of awarded for like their LGBTQ plus kind of support over the past 10 years. And now you're saying, oh, someone's upset. So we need to pause, reevaluate, figure how we can make everybody happy. And you can't, you just can't do it. So I think it's like you as a brand, as Caitlin kind of hinted to, like, you have to figure out what you stand for. Like, how does like your pride initiatives or your participation, your support of the LGBTQ plus community align with what your business is doing and what they're trying to do? When it comes out of left field, that's when like you kind of get like the, whoa, what's happening? But if it's thought out and it aligns with the things that you've been doing 365 days a year for multiple years, or it's introduced as like, hey, we're tired of seeing this hateful rhetoric. Like, we're our brand's going to step up it completely changes kind of the flow and the narrative and like how consumers on both sides of this like unfortunate political divide will respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about what Target did that worked, what didn't work, how they misstepped here. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and as Nicole already alluded to, what Target did was more difficult on the consumer because they were already an established place for the LGBTQ community. Um, this was a space every year they have pride merchandise. They have great clothes and accessories that they put at the forefront of the store to shop in. So they had already established themselves as a destination for this community. So when they backpedaled a bit, it hurt, I think, a bit more than maybe a Bud Light or another brand because the community was already connected. But Essentially, what happened is that they faced boycotts and backlash for some of their merchandise that they had in the store. And social media played a really big part in this because people would show up to the store and film themselves with the merchandise saying, this isn't appropriate. We hate seeing this. Why is this being shoved down my throat? A lot of the common rhetoric you're going to get around this. And they would upload that to platforms like TikTok or Instagram, which have wide shareability. And so... As Nicole and I alluded to earlier, it may not be a a very large group, but it's a very vocal group. And what they're saying can spread very quickly. And because of the backlash and the, you know, questioning of merchandise, Target opted to move some merchandise to lower traffic areas of the store um, or remove it from the store altogether and only make it available online. Something else we noticed, um, because we were able to track brands, marketing, spend, and creatives. We were able to see that last year, Target put paid media spend behind a lot of this merchandise. This year, it did not. So it wasn't only that they're moving merchandise, so they're only offering it online. They're not even promoting it to the same degree that they used to. So the backpedaling was was not as, oh, what's the right word here? Not as strong as Bud Lights. It wasn't as public as Bud Lights. But again, because this was a destination for the community and because they had established themselves as a partner to the LGBTQ plus community, it it had more of an impact. And we might see that it has more of an impact long term than something that's short and fiery. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like then the Target's actions broke its relationship with the LGBTQ plus community? I personally think so. 
Um, I think because kind of what Caitlin had said is they had really established themselves as like a champion. So they were one of the first brands to launch merch. They were one of the first brands that were like, oh, like we're not going to essentially capitalize on pride. We're going to donate, you know, portions of like the sales that we make. We're going to be strategic about like who we get our merchandise for um, and, and from. But what they did, and I like some of the quotes that I've seen, the one that like hit me the hardest was like an LGBTQ plus individual was like, what Target did was push us back into like a proverbial closet. So basically it was like, you were at the front of the store, you were there, we were supporting you year in, year, not, year out. And so then as soon as someone got mad about it or kind of were like threatening their employees is kind of one of the things they said, Target literally pushed the, the section to the back of the store where no one would see it unless you were seeking it out. And that I think is one of the like most harmful things that a brand could do. Bud Light was so all over the place and just so terrible that it was like, okay, like ignoring you. Um, Target on the other hand was like the one it kind of like was a dagger because it's like, what do you mean? Like you've been a staple of this community for like a decade at least. And now you're like, mm, this is getting a little too testy. I'm going to back up. And I think, like the TikTok situation, a lot of it was like skewed information, right? Like it was like a, you know, a pride, like onesie that was like in the baby section, but it like wasn't a pride bathing suit. Like it was all these like weird, just like consumers trying to like make a story or make a rhetoric. And again, Target could have addressed it. Target could have said, this is what we have. These are the products that we have in place. These are who they are for. And it was, and they didn't do that. They were just like, mm, we don't want to deal with this. Back of the store you go. And I think that is worse than what Bud Light did, in my opinion. Yeah. One of the things that really strikes me, especially with Bud Light, I haven't seen numbers related to Target, but um, the economic impact that their missteps have had uh, and how sales have dropped so precipitously that Bud Light is no longer the number one beer brand in the U.S., you know, all of that. Um what if if a company finds itself in that situation what do they do about that how do they address that very deep and and um impactful issue of losing as much money as they've been losing to me what we saw bud light do was like it took him two weeks to respond the first time right when everything was blowing up on tiktok Dylan was like getting attacked left and right. It took them two weeks to put out a statement. That statement was essentially like, we don't want to be a part of this conversation. Sorry. And it was very much like, we're trying to distance ourselves. So it took them a long time. Um, and what they're doing now is I think they're like flooding the market with like new campaigns, new initiatives. Like they have this whole NFL situation where they're like, they're trying to like reconnect with their roots. And like, to me, it just feels so fake. Like, I know I analyze marketing on a daily basis. So, like, I'm in the weeds and I'm going to look at it different than, like, the average consumer. But I feel like you can tell that Bud Light is just trying to recover as fast as they can. And I almost am like, maybe you should have just paused, figured it out, connected, like, worked internally to figure, like, what is our next best step versus just acting? Because I'm like, this campaign is supposed to be authentic in, like, in their words. And it's not. Like, you're just like, Oh, so now we're going back very Americana, very broy, very like football is everything. And it doesn't, it's going to fall flat now because you know that they're just trying to make up for the turmoil that they caused in June, July, and August. Yeah. 
Absolutely. The entire summer campaign they've rolled out is the strategy of nothing to see here, business as usual, beer for beer for fun, guys. Um, and what it really could have looked like if they were wanting to commit, as we have said, to this community is show summer for everybody. Show a summer fun campaign, feature all types of people in it. But instead, what they've done is go with a very typical type of beer campaign, people on the beach, people going to football. So the backpedaling feels even stronger. And it feels like they are just trying to ignore everything that's happened over the last few months. But it's it's too public to pretend like it didn't happen. So for companies like, this is putting you in the hot seat just a little bit, but for companies like, uh, or brands like Bud Light and Target, what should they do now? One of our big marketing trends for next year, somewhat based off of everything that happened this summer, we're calling it commit to the bit. And it's all about how for a variety of reasons, whether companies have lower marketing budgets or because of consumer ad fatigue, we're going to be seeing brands commit to certain channels, commit to certain DEI initiatives, and really commit to those and not touch anything else, but instead do a few things really well. And I think this is a good point for these type of brands to evaluate. Is this an important cause to you? Is this community important to your business and to your values? If it is, commit and commit stronger than before. Really, really decide who you are and what you are standing for, and then put investment, put time, and put resourcing behind it. If you cannot do that, if it is not going to make sense for your business, if you are not interested in doing it meaningfully, don't. And that that's sort of what the trend explores is if you're going to do it, you really need to commit to it. And so this would be a great time for brands like Target and Bud Light to figure out if this community is important to them, if this cause is important to them. And if so, how can they show up better in the future to make up for some of these some of these uh, backpedaling moments that they've experienced over the last few months. Yeah, I think kind of going off of that, like before, you know, brands act, before they plan what they're going to do for June, like they need to ask themselves, why are we doing this? Like, what is the benefit to our brand? What is the benefit to our consumers? What is the benefit to like whatever cause we're trying to support? And if they don't have a solid answer for why, they should probably first reevaluate. Should we even be going in this direction? Like if our brand doesn't align, if our values don't align, if we've never touched kind of any issue, right? Like outside of LGBTQ plus consumers, outside of pride, maybe we need to figure out like internally, like what our stance is on this before we roll out a campaign. So I think to me, like Target, for example, they need to go back to like why they started offering pride merchandise in the first place. They need to understand, you know, what was that business decision? How did it impact their brand over the last 10 years? And like for me specifically for Target, when it comes to, you know, June 2024, like they need to have their ducks in a row in terms of what they have done as a company between, you know, June 2023 and now. Because it's not just about like marketing during Pride or having merchandise during Pride. Like they can kind of reassert themselves as this champion by kind of starting to like, have that dialogue now, like getting back in that conversation. And like I said, if brands thought it was hard this year to be a part of Pride, like next year is going to be a completely different animal. So that element of like committing to your bit, committing to your audience, committing to a social cause, it's going to be even more important that you'll have to commit to that or it will be even more tumultuous in the year ahead. So I think going back to that why is something specifically that Target needs to do. 
and Bud Light needs to figure out. Mm-hmm. Some brand soul searching, so to speak. <laughs> yes, you know, as, as the two of you were talking, it felt like what you're suggesting is that, that companies do what individuals have been asked to do, to think carefully about what's important to you, what motivates you, what, what do you want to present to the world, and then do that thing right? So you would think that companies would be able to collectively do that bit of soul searching and come up with whatever the right answer is. I think one of the things that that stands out to me too is the comments that you two made that really relate to, you know, find out like what's important to you as a company, what initiatives you want to back and I think what, what goes along with that is for some companies, this might not be the issue that they will stand behind, that it could be something else entirely. Because I think of, like we talked about before, I think of some companies that have such a diverse consumer base that goes across rural, exurban, suburban, urban, and they have a lot of moving parts that they that they need to focus on. And so maybe this issue, pride and LGBTQ plus, is not where they will place their bets or where they should place their bets. Um, so that trend, I think, is is very much on point because it 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 really is clear on that. I think that's that's a fascinating idea to to think about a little bit. And I think going off of that lens, something that's really interesting to me is just how like consumer perspe- perception and consumer like expectations for what it means to be an ally have changed. So maybe five years ago, we were going to go through and count every single brand that rainbowized their logo, or we were going to count every single brand that like posted like happy pride. We don't do that anymore. Honestly, that is like the bare minimum at this point. And like, if you're just doing that and not doing anything else, you might as well like have not done anything at all because consumers kind of threshold for that. It's small now. Like it's, that's not enough. So it's better to either like join in a meaningful way. Like that's respected. That is seen as like you are an ally. You are championing for this community. You are taking a stand for something that you and your company value and making this group of consumers specifically feel important and feel seen. But if it's just going to be a flatline sentiment, it's better at this point to not do it in my opinion. Because that is what gets flagged. That's like, oh, like you're saying that you support the LGBTQ plus community, but what about your political donations? Like, what are you doing outside of this Instagram post? And I think to me, it's less about like being there during Pride or being there, you know, during, you know, throughout the year for LGBTQ plus consumers. And it's more about being there in like a meaningful way. Like you can't just like have a presence and it mean nothing. I think consumers at this point are looking for brands that are championing any, you know, minority group or any disenfranchised community and like doing it in a way that like drives impact because consumers overwhelmingly believe that brands have the power to do that. They have the power to fuel acceptance. They have the power to speak out against anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. And like that is what consumers at this point are looking for allies to do when it comes to kind of brands and their support is like make that change and lead it in a way that they can because they have the power of their voices and the power of their marketing budgets. Um, So I think it's just something that's changed over time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to that same Mm -hmm. point, 
the way you can show up as an ally has changed as well. A lot of what consumers are looking for right now is just, can we normalize this existence? Can we normalize being different? Can we normalize being different, but all having a place? So beauty is a really great example of this. You'll see drugstore brands like Maybelline available across the country, wide range of demographics showing in their ads. Men using the products, women using the products, non-binary people using their products, a range of sexual identity and gender identity, and just saying makeup is for everybody. And that doesn't mean that they have to put rainbow flags on all of their packaging every June. It doesn't mean they need a whole display at the front of the store. It's just normalizing this existence and saying, not only is this okay, it's normal. And it's so normal that we don't even really need to talk about it. Um, so that can be an option too. If creating an entire display at the front of your store is not something that's going to work for your business. It can be just about expressing that your products or your services are for everybody. And that's something I think most people can get behind. And I think you like you hit it right on the head, Caitlin, talking about Maybelline and beauty because beauty does do it really, really well. And it's not necessarily like about having like a grand push, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about coming out like at the start of June and being like, we support the LGBTQ plus community. Here's right. our merch. Yeah. It's right. more about like subtly doing it in a way that it's a part, just a part of your brand throughout the year. Like how are you infusing like representation into your marketing efforts without like waving a spotlight to say like, Hey, like we have a queer individual in our commercial. Check it out. Like we're special. <laughs> and it's more about having it be there. It's just, it's a, like you said, it's a normalized part of, you know, the day to day of our brand, of our marketing. So when June comes around and someone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Maybelline is like partnering with trans influencers. It's like, well, if you know the brand and you follow the brand, you'll know this is something that they've been doing for 365 days. And that also gives the brand like something to stand on when they do get backlash, right? They're like, no, like this is a part of who we are as a company. These are our values. And like, this is something that we put in play for a long time. And that's when you can kind of start to understand as a brand, what voices are worth paying attention to? Because it's always going to be spotlighted in June because everyone's like paying attention to it. But who's paying attention to your efforts throughout the year, 365 days a year and having that presence and having that kind of integration will kind of allow brands some of that flexibility to know like, this isn't when we need to jump and we need to respond and stand up for our actions. And this is when we can kind of just take the back seat because we know it's just noise right now. And I think that distinction will be even more important 2024, 2025, 2026 because um, mm-hmm. the expectations will just change. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that with um, clothing as well, um, with some brands of clothing, especially it feels like um, undergarments. Um, sure. Some online companies are very clear about their boxer briefs and they show them on everyone, mm-hmm. whether, you know, a, a very wide spectrum of gender identities. Um and so to me, that's, that's really fascinating as well. And it makes me think a bit about thinking back seven or eight years, maybe longer now on a, um, uh, different issue, but what Unilever did regarding body size, mm. could, because they were one of the first ones to have posters and, and all kinds of communication about the beauty of, it happened to be specifically about women, but the beauty of women at every single size. And they showed them, which um, really got a lot of 
conversation and some very polarizing conversation going. And so that feels in some ways very similar to this, what we're seeing with companies like um, Maybelline and other cosmetic companies, clothing companies being, having, having um, the, the idea of being appropriate for everyone just being built into their DNA and who they are. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fascinating switch that we see. I think. And if you, sort of fast forward and look to the future there, thinking about Dove and thinking right now about Fenty, um, you know, not Fenty Beauty, but like the lingerie brand from Rihanna. Um, she didn't have to say this lingerie is for everybody. This lingerie goes up to X sizes. She just showed a variety of body types and people in it. Um, exactly. And so you can see how Dove a decade ago might need to put a spotlight on this because it's new and it's big and it's an important moment. But 10 years later, it's just going to become normal. It's just this is what the expectation for the advertising should be. And that could be the exact same for the LGBTQ community, where there was a point where you needed to say it and you needed to spotlight it. But eventually, if we're going in the right direction, it should just be a normal part of marketing that we're all used to. That's a beautiful ideal to work towards, isn't it? Yeah. But it feels like there's a lot of work that a lot of companies are going to need to do to be able to, to get us to that point. Absolutely. Um, so as we, we start to um, uh, wind down the conversation a, a little bit, are there other major points about the backlash that we've seen and what companies can do, should do, um, will do uh, in the future that you want to make sure that um, the listeners are um, informed about? I would say the biggest takeaway, probably from the entire conversation, and what we'll talk about more in our 2024 trend, but is the level of commitment I think we would like to see brands express. I'm personally really excited to see how this past year's Pride is going to inform next year's Pride. As Nicole mentioned, mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough year politically. It's going to be really exhausting. <laughs> it's going to be difficult on us all. And I'm excited to see how brands have learned from this past year, hopefully in a positive way, to really do creative and meaningful partnerships with the community to really stand their ground. And hopefully, if brands are able to ignore the very vocal opposition that they're facing, it might set a good playbook for other brands in the future on how to respond to this level of backlash to minimize it rather than sort of, um, you know, fuel the fire of it all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of something that, you know, I want to close with is the idea that like marketing and committing and normalizing LGBTQ plus representation, it's not a marketing tactic. Like you can't use it as a marketing ploy or a marketing play because there are real emotions attached to these issues. There are real individuals that struggle with their identity every single day. There are real people who struggle with being accepted in the workplace, being accepted by their family, being accepted by their friends, being able to accept themselves. So like you cannot use this community and just like pull it as a marketing lever into the conversation during June, try to just kind of add another consumer segment to like your target audience. You have to understand like there are real emotions out there for these individuals. There's also real hate out there for these individuals, which is why they need support from brands, from their families, from their friends. And like, it's something that we have to keep in mind and you have to be comfortable as a brand entering these conversations and knowing that you're not just, you know, launching like a, a St. Patrick's Day campaign 
Like this is something that is a stance. It is something that is impactful and can really drive meaningful change for the community. And you just have to know that some people are going to be upset and you have to be comfortable upsetting those people to do what feels right for your brand. So that is my closing thought is that it's not a marketing tactic. It is truly something that will impact the lives of many consumers across the country. Mm -hmm. This has stakes. Mm -hmm. This is not deciding to shift X media dollars to a new channel. This is not playing around with a new creative strategy. This, This has stakes. And the way you handle it and the way you should prepare for it should reflect the impact it should and can have on consumers. So it's not something to take lightly. No. And since we are data nerds, I will close with one <laughs> data fact that I have. And that is consumers are two times more likely to withdraw support from brands that back down on their pro-LGBTQ plus efforts after criticism. So if you think you're going to lose an audience, you're going to lose even more if you backpedal, which we started with as the theme of Pride 2023. And that's exactly what we saw with Bud Light and what has what has happened with sales and how many people have walked away from that particular brand. So um, clearly that, that uh, data point is exactly right and has real and lasting consequences out there in the marketplace because Bud Light has a lot of work to do LGBTQ plus, but in general to claw back some of that uh, market share that it has lost because of what happened in June. So, well, this has been absolutely fascinating. And I think we've talked about so many interesting things. Um, as, as we were talking, I jotted down a few really big issues. The, the biggest one was the last one that, that we talked about, Nicole, especially you, that um, pride initiatives aren't a tactic. The companies have to be authentic and they have to get behind it and have it be part of who they are. Um, but the reality is, as we saw in June, every company responds a little bit differently. Um, it works for some. It doesn't work for others. There are significant consequences depending on how you handle it. Um, and I think the, the most fascinating takeaway, I think, is that now is what I take is that now is the time for companies to decide what they're going to do in a holistic way and get started doing it because it's not about June in 2024. It's about how you show up to your customers. And with the challenging year we're going to have in 2024, not only because of heightened focus on pride initiatives because of all the things that went wrong in 2023, but also because of the political climate, it's more important than ever for companies to start focusing now on what they're going to do to um, be an ally, to, to show their support, because showing that support is absolutely essential. So, to close out to close out this podcast, I would say if you want to know more about Mintel, go to Mintel.com and sign up to become a member of the free Mintel Spotlight community. Uh, and make sure you don't miss a single episode of our little conversations. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get those podcasts. So goodbye for now, and we'll catch you next time with a new episode. Thanks a lot. <music>